Thanks for listening to the Verbatim Word Podcast, where we seek biblical truth in a daily context. I'm Justin Geary. Well, this is the final bonus episode between season two and season three. Next week, we should have some new content for you. I'm really excited the direction we're going for season three. So I hope you tune into that and look forward to a new season as well. But as we finish up this bonus episode, we started it last week. It was a recording from a recent teaching I did covering a pulpit in Northeast Oklahoma, where we were looking at John chapter two. Uh, Jesus's first sign where he turns water into wine at the wedding of Cana and Galilee. And last time we saw two points of application. The first one is this couple had invited Jesus. Whether or not they knew that anything hard was coming or there was going to be snags along the road, the wise thing that they did was to put Jesus on the debt, the guest list, to have him there uh, before anything went wrong. And how wise we are to keep Jesus close and to remain close to Jesus at any all times because there's no telling what this life is going to throw our way. Uh, Just around every single corner, every single day, there's snags all along and how hopeless we are without Jesus Christ, but how full of hope we can be with Jesus Christ in our lives. So inviting Jesus. And then the second thing that we saw is whatever he says to you, do it. That was the instruction that Mary had there to the servants. She knew that Jesus was there and she knew his potential. And though it was not yet his time to be fully publicly revealed, um, she told them, whatever he says to you, do it. And Jesus begins to give instructions as we'll see today. And so those are the two points of application we looked at last week. Today we'll pick up in the middle of the chapter. If you haven't listened to last one and you'd like to go back and listen to the bonus episode from last week. Um, Otherwise, we'll be able to pick up right in the middle as we see what the servants begin to do when Jesus has spoken. They took the message to heart that whatever he says to them, as crazy as it seemed or as mundane as it seemed or as repetitious to start filling these water pots, well, whatever he said to them, they did. So we listen in now to John chapter 2, starting in verse 6. So these servants, they agree. Remember, Jesus has no reputation at this point as a miracle worker. But at this point, they'll try anything because of the fiasco going on in the kitchen behind the scenes at this wedding. So they begin this process. We read verses 6 through 9. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. So notice what's going on here. They have these vats. This is about 100 to 120 gallons of water. And they're made out of stone. and, And the servants begin taking water, pitchers of water, and filling them up. Now, there's no spigot to turn on. There's no kitchen sink. There's no water filter coming out of the refrigerator. This means they're going out to the well somewhere, to some other place, getting water, and one container at a time, filling up these big pots as they begin to slowly, slowly go. The repetition of walking back and forth, back and forth, water dripping along the floor, someone mopping behind them possibly to keep any of them from slipping. They fill it to the brim. There's no room for anything else in these pots. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water, was made wine and did not know where it came from. We don't know when this miracle took place. Was it like as they poured it in, like when you used to make Kool-Aid as a kid and there was powder in and you poured the water and it just suddenly became red? 
Or was it clear the entire time? And when they dipped the ladle in, suddenly the, the water in the ladle was now red, but the pots were still clear? Or was it as they put it up to the lips of the master that it became wine? We don't know. It doesn't tell us scripturally when the miracle took place. It doesn't seem like there's any big hocus-pocus abracadabra. No one seemed to know when this took place. But somehow in that repetition of the filling of these pots, in that process, the water has become wine. And there is no doubting that Jesus did something. In the obedience of these servants, God did something powerful, subtle, but powerful. There are times when we see God move in the big things, and we like that. There will be many miracles taking place that were the big miracles, where the crowd saw, the crowd knew, and before their eyes, something big and profound happened. And God does big, obvious miracles, something showy and profound that catch people's attention, and they get us all excited. But consider this miracle. This sign was pretty normal. Not flashes of light. We don't even know when it turns into wine. There was no big ooh-ah moment. But this work of Jesus was no less profound. Though it may have been so subtle, it may have gone unnoticed by many there at the celebration. A lot of God's work in our lives will be subtle. It takes place in the obedience, in the day-to-day serving. As we fill up the pots and go through that repetition of doing the same thing we just did five minutes ago, or five days ago, or five weeks ago, doing the same thing, being faithful. As we work in the kitchen, the same place that we work every single day, not a new environment, not a new calling, but doing something that we've been doing for quite some time. As we serve our masters, doing the things that they've asked us to do, submitting to them under that authority. As we do our chores, as we fulfill our roles. In the daily obedience, that's where we see the powerful works of God oftentimes. A lot of times that's when we see Jesus' fingerprints changing who we are. As he takes our hearts and softens them when they are hard as he weans us off of sin and carnality and we desire things of the kingdom. I remember when I first got started on the mission field, most of those believers at the time were first-generation believers. In fact, I think I've mentioned it at a time in the past, as we started that church, we were all very young. I was the oldest person in the church at 22, 23 years old. Most of them were in high school or college. And there was one girl who started coming around to the Bible study. She ended up giving her life to the Lord, but she was working through a lot of things. And one thing about her is that she wore black all the time. She was kind of one of those goth teenagers and kind of came out from that background. And so she got saved and became a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ. But the outward appearance didn't really seem to match what Jesus had done in her heart. And we encouraged her in that. We said, you know, you're free. You can change your look, whatever. But Jesus loves you just the way you are. And she took that to heart. And so for months, she continued on in her same style, her straight black dyed hair, her dark clothes, her pale white skin, her dark lipstick, and she would come, but she was learning about Jesus. And in those early days, we had a lot of time on our hands on the mission field, and so we would commit to praying every single day for this young group of disciples that had given their lives to Christ. And so we'd get together, we'd pray, and we'd pray, and we were praying for this one particular individual that the transformation that God had, that Jesus had done on the inside would begin to manifest itself on the outside as well that the world would be able to see a difference in who she was now in Christ. And we prayed in particular that she would stop wearing black. So we would pray, Lord, just bring color into her wardrobe. Just, just bring color. And I remember months had gone by, and one Sunday morning, everyone was gathered. People began to walk in and meet at the apartment where we were meeting because we didn't have a building yet at that time. <coughs> and all of us missionaries at the same time, our eyes lit up. 
we saw something come through the door. We ran into the kitchen together, closed the doors, and we huddled. We said, did you see what just came through the door? She had come in with the darkest, 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 deepest, dark blue jeans she could have and a black shirt. But it was color. There was some color in there. It was no longer black. And we saw this transformation begin to take place. And over time, we started seeing really deep, 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 dark browns enter her wardrobe. And then dark, 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 dark gray. But there were shades that started coming in that the black was no longer black, but shades came in. To this day, she's a, a wonderful woman of God. She's got a great wardrobe with lots of color in it. The Lord has truly transformed her. But it took place in the daily, the small changes, the little things. And we get discouraged sometimes when God doesn't move in a way that is big and flashy and suddenly just it just happened like that. He does move, and we should have the faith and expectation to believe that. But much of our Christian life will take place, the miracles will take place of God doing something powerful and mighty because we're doing the mundane things. We're doing the small things of obedience, like walking back and forth and filling those big vats full of water. Some of you guys might be filling your vats with water, wondering when is this going to change? When is anything going to happen? Whatever he says to you, do it. Keep doing the things that he's called you to do. The miracles will take place because he is a miracle worker when we're living in obedience to him. We look in verses 10 and 11, and we'll finish up the chapter here. It says, And he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. While the master of the feast may not have known the origins of this wine, he was definitely impacted by what had taken place. In fact, the servants knew what had taken place. This miracle was something that really impacted them. This miracle is something that really impacted the disciples. But the master of the feast, well, he doesn't really even know. I think there's some principle in that. There is intimacy that comes with knowing Jesus better when we're committed to serving what he's called us to do, when he's given us some kind of ministry. These servants who are behind the scenes, when they left that party that night, when they left that job that night, they knew a little bit more about Jesus because he had entrusted to them some things that were part of this miracle. And as we serve the Lord, as we serve him faithfully in the giftings and callings and ministry that he has given to us, we come to know him in a bit of a deeper and more intimate way. This master of the feast, though, he may not have known the origins of this wine, but in verse 10, we see Jesus' kindness saved this wedding and this groom's skin and this guy's marriage maybe even because the groom's family was responsible for paying and hosting that, we that wedding. But Jesus loved this couple in a very, very practical way. There was no blind person who saw at the end of this wedding. There was no profound sermon that was preached at this wedding. There was no turning over of the tables to cleanse the temple. And yet what an impact this kind act had not just on this couple, but think about all that would have talked about this wedding. This thing definitely would have been trending on social media for sure. This couple would have talked about how happy they were that they had invited Jesus. The servants would have talked about how amazing it was that they got to see and witness this sign and be a part of it with their own two hands. The guests would say how good the wine was and that it got better and better and why it was almost a disaster. Had everything gone as planned, there would have been no room for Jesus to move. Most of us like to keep life safe, predictable, and planned. But when things get shaken up, that's when Jesus can show up. The world the last few years has got anything but according to plan for most of us. 
but more and more opportunities for Jesus to show up have proven themselves. And we pray and we seek and we stand that things may, that the Lord might come through. But if it means Jesus gets to show up and do something, then amen, let the world fall apart. At the end of this wedding notice, you have kept the good wine until now. God saved the best for last. He turned the bitter waters into sweet. He transformed the ordinary into the extraordinary. He turned the sorrow or the potential for sorrow into joy. He restored the things that the locusts had eaten. And that's something that our God does. We need to be patient as the people of God to give, time, give God time to work and to move. Things will not always meet our expectations, but we can invite Jesus to do his thing. Things will not always be smooth, but don't give up. We may be disappointed with how things have turned out, but Jesus isn't done yet. A wedding is not an unplanned event. We can plan a way for everything to be perfect. But when things don't go as planned in weddings and in life, we can invite Jesus to be glorified regardless of what happens. One of my favorite pictures in scripture is when Jesus is feeding the 5,000, just before feeding the 5,000. When he brings the problem to the attention of the disciples, and he says, well, what can we do? And they're like, well, I guess there's a village down the road. We can go there and, and try and buy some stuff, but this money we have, what's it going to do? And then he says, or you could take those five loaves and those two fish and give them to me. And so they do. They take this little boy's lunch and they, they place it into his hands. Five loaves and two fish, crumbs. And Jesus places it, they place it in Jesus' hands, and he takes it, and he breaks it, he gives thanks for it, and he multiplies it, and he meets all of their needs through it. And I think for many times in life, we start trying to strategize and figure out, Lord, how can I solve this situation? What are my resources? What are my abilities? What is my focus? What is my strength? What can I do in this situation? And all the Lord is saying, can you just take what you have and place it in my hands? Can you take that which I can break and multiply? Can you take the simple resources that you have and say, Lord, this is all we got. Here, do something with it. Lord, I'm all you got. This is who I am. Lord, I, I'm a broken person. Lord, I'm a messed up person. Lord, I'm a struggling person. Lord, my resources are limited. Lord, my world is limited. Lord, my church is limited. But this is what we've got. We're going to take it and place it in your hands and let you do with it what you can. And the Lord can. When we offer him our ruins, when we offer him our crises, when we offer him our trials and say, Jesus, I know that you can do something, so I place it in your hands. Some of the biggest things can be the biggest opportunities for God to move. And we can trust him in that. The final verse we look at as we close is this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. This was key for what Jesus would be doing in the next three years. Part of this miracle was to be kind to a young couple in the village who needed their wedding to be saved. Part of this was to minister to the servants who would see this first miracle, the new covenant, the joy that was coming of being rightly related to God by grace. But a lot of this miracle was for the disciples, that they would believe in him. This first miracle ignited that faith in them as they saw this intimate thing take place, that they knew as they discussed it for days and weeks after what exactly happened there. And though they couldn't explain it, they know that it had passed through the hands of Jesus, that it had been done at the obedience of the command of Jesus, and all the results could only give glory to Jesus. And his disciples believed in him. They would need to rest upon this belief and see this belief grow for the rest of their ministry.
and not just for the next three years, but once Jesus died and resurrected, when they would step out in faith on their own to go into all the world and take the gospel to all nations. They would have this anchor from years ago at that wedding that they attended in Canaan of Galilee because they ended up on the guest list that Jesus had done something. And if Jesus could do that back then, then Jesus can do this today. If Jesus could do that back then, then Jesus will do that tomorrow. There's a song on the radio sometimes that I love each time I, I hear it. It's called Same God. It says, oh my God, my God, I need you. Oh my God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness, on your faithfulness. And then it goes to these verses. It says, I'm calling on the God of Mary, whose favor rests upon the lowly. I know with you all things are possible. I'm calling on the God of David, who made a shepherd boy courageous. I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own giants. You heard your children then. You hear your children now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You answered prayers back then, and you will answer now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You were providing then. You are providing now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You moved in power then. God, move in power now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You were a healer then. You are a healer now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You were a savior then. You are a savior now. You are the same God. You are the same God. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages. I'm standing on your faithfulness, on your faithfulness. Whatever he says to you, do it. Invite Jesus. Know that God's resources are exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. And know that he will save the best for last as he increases your faith in what he can do because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the promise of scripture. And we thank you that these things are written down for us, Lord Jesus, that we can hold to them and that these truths that were written so many years ago, that you are the same God in our lives this day. Father, we confess to you our unbelief. We confess to you the times that we don't look to you, but we look to our own resources. And God, as we pray to you this morning, we take what is ours, what is small, what is broken, what might be insignificant, and we place it into your hands, trusting and believing, Lord, that you are the creator of the universe that you are the God of gods, you are the King of kings. And Lord, as we sang at the beginning of this hour, we exalt you, Lord, because you sit upon the throne. And so, Lord, we submit ourselves at your feet. We humbly bow before you. Lord, we are your servants. Lord, help us to hear your voice and help us to have hearts of obedience that whatever you say to us, we will do. And Lord, we thank you for being the God of the new covenant Jesus, that what you did on the cross is the most profound miracle of all. That you could take the sin of the world, that you could take our sins past, present, and future, and that you could pay for them wholly and completely, and that you resurrected to prove to us, Lord, that we are perfect and above reproach in your sight. And we rejoice in that this day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How blessed we are that we can rest in that. And how blessed we are that we have the scriptures, that from Genesis all the way to Revelation, we see God's faithfulness. We see God's consistency. We see that when we are faithless, he is faithful. How many perfect pictures of man who is just sinful, rebellious, rejecting, choosing the wrong things, making the same mistakes over and over again, and yet God always comes through. We know that God works all things together for good to those who love him and who are the called according to his purpose. And though we may not be perfect every step along the way, we know that God is, and we can rest in that. Well, hopefully this uh, lesson from John chapter 2 that was recorded recently has been an encouragement to you in these bonus episodes. Uh, we look forward to season 3 dropping very, very soon, and we hope you'll join us for that. If you haven't listened to much of the Verwaitum Word podcast, I encourage you to go back. Season 1, Season 2 are up in all their entirety as we go through some of the epistles of Paul. Um, but next, we're going to start in one of the Gospels as we look a little bit more closely at the life of Jesus and how that applies to our lives today where we seek biblical truth in a daily context. So Lord, I just pray for each one of us that you would guide us, that you would keep us, that you would have us, that you would hold us. Lord, that you'd reveal yourself to us and that we might walk in ways that bring glory to you. Lord, just reveal to us your purpose for us in our life in this season, in this day, in this age. Lord, that we might be closer to you, ever closer to you, Lord, as we get ever closer to your return and your coming. May you, God, fill us with all hope for joy and peace in believing that we may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.